presented by the Common Sense Institute. Welcome to Common Sense Digest, the podcast that seeks to inject a little common sense into Colorado's policy discussion. Here's your host, Earl Wright. Welcome to the Common Sense Digest podcast. My name is Kristen Strom. I'm president and CEO of Common Sense Institute. And today I get the pleasure of filling in for our usual host, Earl Wright. Thanks so much for joining us today. My guest is the CSI Director of Policy and Research, Chris Brown. Chris, let's dive right into today's topic. Six months into the pandemic, how has COVID-19 impacted Colorado jobs and sales tax revenue? Tell me a little bit about the ongoing work CSI has been conducting during the pandemic. What do these reports say, Chris? Yeah, thanks, Kristen. And glad that we get to have this conversation today and bring you know, what usually you and I are talking about really on a daily basis to bring this to our audience. Since the start of this pandemic, we've been tracking several different measures and metrics that have been publicly reported, been looking at uh, the weekly change in unemployment rates. We've been looking at uh, recently over the last couple months, we've been reporting the monthly change in labor force participation and unemployment rates along with updates on rates of COVID across counties. I mean, as you know, as you know our, our hope and our effort in doing this as a research institute, as an organization focused on the Colorado economy, this information is hard to obtain. It's often not necessarily packaged in a way that is easy for people to get access to and understand So our hope is to provide this as a resource for our elected officials, for business leaders, and the voting public as we continue through this pandemic. So before we dive into actual numbers, tell me a little bit about what you're seeing in terms of weekly claim numbers. I know that you're monitoring those as we speak. Yeah, we just got another week uh, update in claims data actually this morning as well, but uh, through the first couple weeks through March and early April, we saw some of the worst uh, reductions or, or increases in new claims really in the state's history. And those levels have slowly fallen off to where we now actually, as of today, saw the lowest level of new weekly unemployment insurance claims since the start of the pandemic. Now that's good news. However, uh, the level of week, new weekly claims in the most recent data we just got today is still higher than the uh, weekly average during the 2009-10 financial crisis. Interesting. And for all those listening, if you want the real-time data, charts, graphs, feel free to visit our website, commonsenseinstituteco.org where all of this information Chris is talking about is posted. Chris, let's talk a little bit. You mentioned monitoring labor force participation rate and unemployment rates. I think viewer or listeners, a lot of times we see those numbers flashed on TV programs or we hear it on the radio as kind of a baseline metric to show how our economy is doing, what it means. Can you, though, explain what the difference between labor force participation rate and the unemployment rate is? Yeah, I think it's a very important question and something we try to parse out in our reports because people might just see the headline number unemployment rate and sort of forget that the unemployment rate 
is determined by the rate of employment relative to labor force. So it's the total number of jobs divided by the total labor force. But what is important to recognize the labor force number also changes. So both the number of jobs and the size of the labor force actually changes. And that's where we're seeing a lot of these fluctuations. People are choosing for many, many reasons to either participate in the labor force or not participate in the labor force for, again, different reasons. And so... I'm going to just stop you right there. So if we see a decline in the labor force participation rate, that essentially means that people have left the labor force entirely and are no longer looking for work. That's right. In the, at least for the last month survey that we, we've seen. And so it's important. The, the, the reason we want to parse this out is if, as you said, that number drops, if you were to hold just employment constant, the unemployment rate would actually increase because the, the base of labor force uh, has gone down. Let's get into numbers now. End of July. What is it telling us? What does it look like for Colorado? What's our labor force participation rate and our unemployment rate look like? Yeah, so we are continuing to see really surprising volatility in the labor force numbers. July, quite surprisingly, saw a major downward shift in overall participation rates dropping fairly significantly after rebounding from a low in May. So it's still whipsawing around, whereas prior to the start of the pandemic, the overall labor force participation rate was above 69%. It had climbed, it started to climb back towards that. And just in the last month, it dropped roughly 2% you know, for every percentage change in labor force participation, it represents about 46,000 Coloradans uh, leaving the workforce. So these small incremental changes we're seeing represent a large number of Coloradans changing and, and being impacted by this. What about unemployment rate? So the unemployment rate as a result, largely as a result of that participation rate falling, We did see some job growth and and some fairly positive job growth, but largely as a result of that participation rate falling, our overall unemployment rate is just over seven and a half or roughly around seven and a half percent as of July, which fell from a peak of over 12 percent a few months ago. And you know what surprised me in looking at all of this data and research that we've conducted is that we're reaching an all-time low. I mean, these, these numbers in terms of labor force participation rate are something that we haven't seen since the 1980s. Can you expand on that a little bit? Maybe how does it compare to recent recessions, the Great Recession, and what does it mean in terms of numbers for Colorado? You know, it's, it's a word that probably gets overused in economic language and in certain contexts, but in many ways, it's unprecedented. It is, it's extreme in many ways. You know, during the financial crisis, the peak unemployment rate actually occurred a couple months after the end of the recession, but the peak unemployment rate in October, 2009 was 10%, uh, which climbed from 5% uh, 
in, at the low level in December of 2007. So we saw changes occur over 18 months, 18 months to two years in the 2009 uh, recession that really are now playing out over two, three months. So, I mean, it's a, it's a bad uh, joke among economists as we, as we look at the data and talk about it, but a lot of people are saying, we want to throw 2020 out. We don't want to look at 2020. Can we just pretend 2020 didn't happen? And, you know, from an economic standpoint, when people look back at this data and use it to calibrate models or use it to look at our economic history and use it to project trends, it, it might actually make sense to throw 2020 data out because it will be so, uh, it is so volatile. It, it will give us a lot of interesting insights into how the economy works and how policy interacts with the economy. There will be many, many research projects into this, but it is truly, you know, off the scale in many ways. It's it's really incredible. I mean, it's something that's completely unprecedented. And one component that I'm personally really interested in that the team's done a lot of great research on is this notion that this recession, it's been dubbed what's called a she session, and that it's impacting women much more than men. What has your team found? What have we noticed in this? Is it true? How does it look for Colorado compared to national trends, this notion that women are being disproportionately impacted in terms of leaving the workforce and being unemployed? You know, without a doubt, the women in many ways in the data are, are showing disproportionate impacts, particularly in the labor force participation rate. And interestingly, in Colorado, we've seen some disproportionate impacts in those trends. So whereas in Colorado, we've seen the participation rate for women fall from 63% to 57%. So that's a, that's a 6%, nearly 6% decline reflecting a little over 123,000 women dropping out of the labor force since February. And nationally, it's fallen that the participation rate for women has fallen just a little under 2%. So Colorado, for whatever reason, maybe several reasons, uh, while it does generally have a higher labor force participation rate, has actually seen for women in particular, has seen a much larger, uh, much larger decline. So I have four kids. I'm a working mom. I know that these are challenging times that it relates to school, kids learning from home. Do, I mean, is that part of the story? Is that what's going on here? Do we know um, the differences between you know women with kids and without kids? What is the data saying? Yeah, well, a little shout out to... Uh, Abigail on our team, who has been tirelessly digging through the the survey data, she came up and found an interesting set of survey responses in the BLS data that looks at the participation rate and unemployment rate for both men and women with kids and without kids. And so when we look across these four categories, men with kids, men without kids, women with kids, and women without kids, interestingly, and obviously unfortunately, but it reflects a lot of the issues you just articulated, women with kids have seen a, a steady downward trend in their labor force participation rate, again, seeing 
a more than a nearly 3% decline in participation rates just from June to July, uh, while the trends for men with kids, men without kids, and women without kids, while they you know, may have seen some decline through March, April, or May, have mostly rebounded. So it is striking. And as you know, we, we look forward to uh, the start of the school year, we look forward to the recovery. I mean, this is a very critical piece of this current recession that I think both policymakers, business leaders really need to be cognizant of and aware of and the potential for lasting impacts. Yeah, this is where I like to get on my soapbox and uh, say that this is really a siren. This is a call to action that's needed among policymakers, business leaders to come to the table and solve, come up with solutions that will get women back to work. I think we all know that our economy is not going to recover until we get 140,000 women that have been sidelined back back to jobs. And um, I look forward to working with leaders out there to try and come up with positive policy solutions. But this is, it's amazing to me that this is really disproportionately impacting Colorado over other states. It's, 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 we, we like to think of ourselves, I think in Colorado, we have a rip roaring economy, number one jobs economy, highly, highly educated workforce. And for this to be happening is it's just sad. Um, are there any other groups that you're seeing disproportionately impacted? We know women, obviously, what about those with different educational attainment levels? Yeah, and make a note on the point you just made, and I'll, I'll, I'll speak to the educational attainment issue. I think, you know, again, testament to the work you've been doing, and, and I know you've been uh, talking on the news and other outlets. And while we, we sometimes get feedback on our research and the work that we're doing, you know, economic impact reaches some people, but this particular study and this particular insight over the last couple months has been one where it's been interesting the responses we've gotten through emails, phone calls that reflect that this is not just bearing out necessarily in the data, but people are seeing these this information, seeing what they are feeling is bearing out in, in the underlying data. And I think it's been uh, interesting to have that sort of response as mothers have you know, recognize that this is occurring and, and, and it's very personal. So it's just been a, a, a little bit different than most of the work that we do based upon the responses we've gotten. So very, you know, very interesting, something we will obviously continue to, to focus on. You know, to your, to your question, prior to COVID, the, the start of the pandemic and the impacts post-COVID, you know, if we looked at, at unemployment rates and labor force participation rates between those with bachelor degrees and higher versus those with associate's degrees or those with a high school education, you know, bachelor degree, those with bachelor degrees and higher generally had a lower unemployment rate of about two and a half percent. So the differential between those levels of education was about two and a half percent with the bachelor's degree and higher being a little bit lower. That gap grew to over, grew over 10% through March, April, May. So disproportionately, those with high school diplomas, uh, with some college or associate's degrees, faced significantly higher unemployment rates through April, May. There has been somewhat of a rebound uh, since those most severe months, but the gap in July was over 
was still over three, almost three and a half percent. So the gap has widened slightly since the start of the pandemic. Again, every month changes incrementally, but those on the lower, uh, with lower levels of educational attainment uh, are being disproportionately impacted here. You know, I was talking to one of our Common Sense Institute members about this. Um, They had been looking at our research and they said it pretty bluntly. They said this pandemic is really going to increase the spread between the haves and the haves not. You know, it's it's and this this, I think, points to that, that those on the lower end of our socioeconomic scale are really being disproportionately impacted. And it's just terrible and sad to see um, the impact that the pandemic is having. Let's switch gears now and talk a little bit about sales tax revenue in Colorado. Interesting. We all know this. As we were under a stay-at-home order from Governor Polis, obviously sales tax revenue probably wasn't collected at the same rate that it had been prior year. Uh, Our report that we just released about two weeks ago analyzed different cities and counties across the state looking at year-over-year comparisons and how sales tax revenue was collected. And I thought that it was really interesting and to see. Can you just start off kind of telling listeners what cities and counties did we look at and why? We, we actually ended up reporting the sales tax revenue impacts on a year-over-year basis for several months through the pandemic for uh, it was eight different cities. Uh, some in the, across the front range, some in the mountain uh, areas. And, you know, frankly, you asked sort of why did we choose these? I think uh, we scoured websites, we sent emails, and we wanted to get this out. And, and this was some of the, the cities we got responses from or had available data. So kudos to those cities and counties that got their information and you have well-run yeah. governments. Yeah, so- not, not a very scientific answer. I'm sorry, but, uh, but we do. What are they? Can you name them? Yeah, yeah. We looked at uh, Vail, Denver, Aspen, Boulder, uh, Fort Collins, Golden, Aurora, and Douglas County. So the county, not not uh, to add a county, not just a city. So what are the key takeaways? Can you tell me who's doing well, who is not, what cities are in trouble? Yeah, similar to our work where we looked at unemployment rates across counties, you know, the impacts are, are very wide ranging. Vail, Aspen, who, you know, disproportionately impacted by early closures of ski season, very dependent upon recreation, vacation, have seen very significant and large declines. Vail saw over 70% decline in April sales tax revenue in 2020 relative to April 2020. What does 70% mean? How much is that? How many? How much in dollars are we talking? For the year to date for Vail, uh, it's a 33% decline in sales and use tax revenue, which is about $5.5 million for, for wow. the city. That's the largest by far. Denver, year to date, has seen a decline in sales tax revenue of a little over 12.5% which is $46 million. You know, on the other side of the spectrum, we've seen uh, like a city or or Douglas County has actually seen a 3.2% increase in revenue year to date, along with Aurora has seen a 3% increase in sales and use tax revenue year to date as well. So 
interestingly, some cities, counties are, you know, hurting far more than others. You know, I think just an important note that I'll make is if listeners pull this report up and they look at, you know, yes, Aurora grew at 3%, Douglas County has grown a little over 3% in terms of sales tax revenue. Just a note is that in January, February, these cities or counties were growing at a, you know, 10 to 15% rate. So they're still being impacted. However, not nearly as much as, as some of these other communities. Yeah, I'm sure that listeners are drawing their own conclusions. And as you kind of touched on, for some cities, it might be because of their industry mix. You know, the mountain towns obviously rely heavily on tourism. For others, it might have been that the stay-at-home order was lifted sooner than others. I know Douglas County got a variance. So I know that there's probably a mixture of reasons why some cities are faring better than others. You know, one thing that we didn't talk about that the team really spent a lot of time and does monthly as well is analyze key industry sectors and how jobs are either growing or declining in those different industry sectors. One thing that was really poignant to me is that in the month of July, we actually saw government jobs decline for the first time. Can you mention that? Right. The the private sector employment really fell and tro- you know to a trough in April was the lowest level and has rebounded to some extent. And we have a good chart that I kind of like in our latest labor force report that shows the rebound in employment relative to February levels. And so you've seen a, a rebound in leisure hospitality. However, that sector still remains less than 80% of where it was in February. However, as you pointed out, government employment has continued to fall. And in July saw the largest drop in state government employment uh, since the start of this pandemic and something that we do expect to, you know, it does lag in uh, government employment. I think if I remember right, it was about 17,000 jobs. That sounds your memory. I'll, I'll take your memory on that one. It was, I believe it was about 17. It could, that sounds about right. I remember that fact, Chris. I think that also... As we're seeing these sales tax revenue declines, obviously local governments, state government is going to have to make changes and adapt. And I, I, I unfortunately think that this is just the tip of the iceberg and that we're going to start seeing this month over month, a huge decline within the government sector. What are your thoughts? Usually following a fiscal year, the employment will decline slightly to begin with. So I think July is a little anomalous for state government, but... I do agree that for you know probably a year or two to come, the state budget will be continue to be impacted by this, and government employment will likely uh, you know fall as other private sectors rebound. So I, I do agree with you. Looking at the sales tax and looking at some of the the reasons why we've seen disparities across counties and cities, you know, Ed Sealover at the Denver Business Journal who covered this report and uh, highlighted some of the changes here also had an interesting piece looking at hotel occupancy just in the last week and showed that in, in the downtown Denver area, hotel occupancy was at 31%. So occupancy rates uh, at 31%, which is below the national average of about 50% and then below the broader Denver area of 30 of 43%. So, This reflects, I think, 
one of the main drivers of this difference in sales tax revenue, which is, you know, Denver is, is largely, uh, you know, is also a large destination for tourism, both personal tourism, business related tourism, without large events, without uh, business related travel. You know, we do, I, I do think some of some cities will be disproportionately impacted, whereas, you know, Douglas County, Aurora don't have the same shares of and rely uh, the same on on that level of tourism. And I think consumers have responded quite differently in these communities. Businesses opened a little more quickly, but consumers, I think, have been more willing to go out, consume uh, retail restaurants. And I think that has also been reflected in the sales tax sales tax figures. Chris, really interesting data information. As I mentioned, all of our work is on our website, commonsenseinstituteco.org. If you'd like more detailed analysis, we will be updating that monthly as new data and information is released. That's it for this episode of the Common Sense Digest. I hope you'll tune in again soon. Later this month, we'll be releasing two other podcasts, one on Proposition 118, Paid Family Leave. You won't want to miss it. And the other is a comprehensive look at what's in store for Colorado voters on the 2020 ballot. Not sure if listeners know this or not, but there will be over 11 ballot initiatives for Coloradans to vote on, which I think in my time, that's probably the biggest ballot we've seen in a while. So thank you again for joining us and hope you'll tune in again real soon. Thank you for listening to the Common Sense Digest. For more on today's topic, as well as our research on the most pressing public policy issues facing Colorado, please visit commonsenseinstituteco.org. The preceding episode, along with all others, is available on podcatchers everywhere or on our website under the podcast tab. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deft Communications. This has been a production of the Common Sense Institute.